Met fans, Met fans, welcome back. 40 minutes to flushing. Got another episode here for you guys. With me is my buddy, Sean Arnell. Sean, what's going on, bud? Uh, too much. How's it going, Mike? Yeah, it's uh, been a lot better the last two days in Mets land. Um, we got a lot of positive things going over the last two days. However, you and I have to talk about the stuff that happened before these last two games. You know, we can't just turn the season around and be like, oh, everything's okay now. No, we have to kind of sit with the trouble and talk it out. Yeah, you know, as we are looking to record this podcast, I think the tone shifted pretty significantly. <laughs> um, we were going from one of the worst months of baseball I remember seeing in a long time to, uh, you know, last night's game and obviously the win today against the Rays. So uh, that changes the tone a lot. We'll get into how shitty the team has played so far in May and talk about the troubles. And then obviously got to talk about the good, too. And uh, last night's game was by far the win of the season. I mean, I was losing it. Um We'll get into that, talking about the kids, and then kind of wrap up with how we feel about the team going forward. Yeah, no, I like that. But uh, let's let's talk about the struggles we had in the beginning of May. I know last episode, we were kind of looking at May, a little bit of a softer schedule. We would be able to make up some ground. Um, We had a better April than we did May uh, so far. We got off to a 4-11 start in the first 15 games this month. And it's not just... Oh, yeah, we're we're not catching April. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, It's And it's not always uh, the record that they have right now in May, but it's the style and way they're losing the games. Um, Last night being the first walk-off win, it certainly felt that way. Yeah, it's been a long time since because every game we were talking about game script a little bit before we uh, started recording every game. They've been falling behind early on. Most games, the first inning, the starting pitching has been fucking abysmal. Um, There's no other way to put it. Every night, these guys are going out there and giving up runs often and early. The team falls behind and this offense has not been good either. So when you combine the two, it's just made for some miserable baseball. Uh, the fact that we're a month and a half into the season and that was the first walk-off win tells you all you need to know. But man, was that sorely needed and at the biggest possible moment. That was uh, as into a Mets game as I've been in probably about a month since the Dodgers series, to be honest. It's usually, you know, you just settle in there and it's like, all right, another feeble at bat from uh, from Escobar or Vogelback. And it's just kind of monotonous. But uh, last night's game was huge. That got me off the couch. All three of the home runs, I literally jumped off my couch because we were just fans and the team. The energy was dead. It was flat. We had nothing to be excited about. Justin Verlander, he was supposed to kind of be the saving grace. He got roughed up and then he got booed out of the stadium. Now, granted, it's against the Tampa Bay Rays and, you know, they've beaten a lot of teams this year, which is why... I feel so good about these last two games because it was against the Rays. Now, none of that means anything if you go out and flop this weekend against the Guardians and then the following week against the Cubs or when the Nationals come into town, who've low-key have had our numbers so far this season, and I don't really like it. But like I said, they it's one thing to do it on one night, but they have to continue this. Got a lot of... Uh, vibes from last season from uh last night's walk-off win you know it yeah. kind of reminded me of that uh pete obviously everybody loves hearing the word fuck apparently on tv <laughs> and i'll tell you he what play, that kind of jacked that, right? too had to had to have planned that <laughs> but you know it's 
it's a good sign, you know, hopefully more things to come, but back to the the game script. When you find yourself in the 5th inning already down by a couple of runs, when you know your offense hasn't been firing on all cylinders, leaving a lot of men on base, you're kind of doomed. Saw a stat today uh in the SNY post game show. And this kind of tells you everything about what the Mets need in terms of a recipe for success. They are 9-0, and 9-0 this season when they get a starting pitcher going out there and pitching six innings. So if that tells you what you need to know to be successful, that's kind of a sign right there. Yeah, and that's also how rarely it's happened this year. Um, it's funny, too. I have a group chat with all my uh, college buddies who are Mets fans, and uh, after saying a sixth inning, you know, he finished with those 12 strikeouts, looked great last night, was really uh, pounding the strike zone uh texted them and it was like you know of course saying it goes six strong and then we get shut out <laughs> and then like literally right after that happened vientos hits that homer and it's like oh shit okay <laughs> and even then yeah. i was like yeah they're not gonna pull out this win but you know at least vientos homered but wow but i was really jacked up with that alvarez home run i forgot who was pitching uh against them but he hung that curveball and alvarez was patient enough this time yep. to wait on it and launch it. Last night's game between Beatty, Vientos, and Alvarez ejected some life into the team. It was nice to see. And last time we recorded, too, I think we talked about how overmatched Alvarez looked at the plate. I'll be honest, he turned it around fast. I, I thought maybe it would be a couple months of that where we just watched him struggle until um, – Narvaez came back and then, you know, it would be kind of one of those tough decisions where they'd have to eventually send him down to get more seasoning. But he almost overnight, he really turned around at the plate and defensively looks a hell of a lot better than they gave him credit for. I, I'm shocked they took him. They took them this long to uh, give him the call based on his defense, if that was the real concern. Uh, but yeah, last night, for sure, got that hanging curveball. I forget who was pitching at that point, too. The Rays just have a bullpen full of these crafty, like, sidearm guys um but man he he stayed back on it and he launched that ball um so kudos to him he's looked much better at the plate and a lot more confident and it's actually you know even though he's not raking he's giving us something offensively a catcher so you like to see that um how long has it been since we've gotten some kind of offensive production out of catcher so even just him being a competent human being at the plate <laughs> makes all the difference um so yeah, you'd love to see that. Love to see him turning it around. You hope he's a big piece for the future. And I think um, you know, even though the numbers don't stand out so far for him and Beatty, you like what we've seen so far. Vientos called up the other night. Thought it was interesting. He was at third base, not Brett Beatty. Yeah, I, I don't like that. Um I'll tell you why. Again, obviously the numbers he put up in AAA were ungodly. When you look at the 150 games he played, he was batting like over 290 with like 40 home runs in 150 games. And like, I think something like 116 RBIs. It was, it was crazy. Um, like a 900 OPS. You, you got to give that guy a chance. The problem is like, you know, a guy like Beatty, you expect to develop into a plus defender at third with a good bat. Vientos really doesn't profile as having any position. He's not a good defensive third baseman. If you're going to play him anywhere, it's going to be first. And Pete has that locked down, obviously. So he's really got nowhere to play but DH. And, you know, if you're going to call a guy up for his bat only, he's really got a hit to stick around. And I think last year, 
number one, they they called him up out of necessity, and they didn't do him any favors letting him calling him up in September in that like crucial situation, him and Alvarez. So, you know, whatever happened last year, obviously he didn't look great at the plate. I I, I pretty much write that off what happened last year. He was hitting so well in AAA and, and yeah, like the offense has been a problem. Don't get me wrong. The starting pitching has been the biggest problem, but still we don't have any options in AAA really to fix the starting pitching right now. We do to fix the offense. So it was much needed when they finally called him up and I, I'm happy he's finally here. Obviously, it was great seeing him get the home run. I don't like seeing him start over Beatty at third. I want Beatty starting at third every day. Here's I love Buck, but I will disagree with him about the youngsters. I think he's a bit of an old man about the youngsters. Um, really, apparently, he doesn't want to DH them. And, you know, I get not wanting to DH uh, Alvarez. You want him to develop as a catcher because that's where you want him long term. You know, if he can't hack at a catcher and he becomes DH one day, that's fine. But at least give him a shot. Same thing with Beatty. He at least profiles as a solid defensive third baseman. Just said it. Vientos really doesn't profile as having any kind of position. So you need his bat. Like we're in desperation mode. You need his bat. He's raking in AAA, uh, hitting at a level where you literally can't ignore it because he's been that good of a bat in AAA. You have to call him up to try to help improve this offense. He's got to play, and he's got to be our DH. There's no reason not to DH this guy. I'm sorry. No, I agree with you. Not only does he need to be our DH, he needs to be our DH regardless of who's pitching, lefty, righty, because that's why you brought him here. He was killing lefties Um, and righties. Yeah. When it came to a corresponding roster move, obviously they had to send down Luis Guillorme, but you have to figure he's yeah. going to be back here anyway. Um, it was more of a move I think so. because of he had the option last season. I want to you know go back to last season. They had the luxury, luxury to carry Luis Guillorme. Not this season. They need every inch of offense they could get unfortunately sacrificing defense really quick on that i i knew guillorme was kind of on the chopping block there he hasn't been hitting so i get it i i still don't like sending him down uh versus just designating a guy like volga back like at least guillorme or fam i think fam's pretty expendable too if we, we need a fourth outfielder that's the problem with fam so you kind of have to roster him because at that point guillorme at least man like gold glove caliber defense at second, third, and short, um, at, at least when he's hitting, is a scrappy hitter who gives you competent at-bats. I would have just designated Volgobach. I get that you can you have an option on Guillaume and you can bring him back, so you can kind of wait to make that decision. But to me, I look at Volgobach and it's just, it's like empty calories. You know, he's like an empty, wasted roster spot. <laughs> Statistically, Pete Francisco Lindor, the RBIs are there. The average is very low. The numbers will be there at the end of the year for Lindor. But, um, you know, throughout the course of a season, he's, number one, very streaky. And even when he's going, he'll have a bat sometimes where you're just like, are are you serious, man? Like, the way he chases, the way he flails at pitches that, like, a good hitter would spit on. um, He he could look really bad at the plate at times. And I, I like Lindor a lot. I still don't like him batting third for us. I don't think he's a consistent enough contact bat. We really don't have many options at this point. I think you hope that one of the young guys can maybe develop into that kind of hitter. Uh, Pete, I think for sure, and we saw this out of them last year too, where the home runs and the and the RBIs were kind of there all year. The average was up and down for both of them. Pete, I'm more 
And I just said Lindor will be there with the numbers. I, I with average with him, I kind of worry he could still be like a 240, 250 hitter at the end of the year. Whereas Pete, I think, will be 270 plus. If they want to be a complete offensive team, a World Series bound team, they're still a hitter short. Let's be honest. For sure they are. And that's why you really got to let the kids play at this point. Um, you know, if, if they don't play, we're this team's not going to cut it. I mean, Hannah and Vogelbach, even at their best, aren't going to turn around this offense. So to, to me, it's like we've got some untapped potential here. We don't know what they are. Let's find out. I mean, the way Vientos and uh, Mauricio were hitting in AAA, there's no reason not to at least give them a shot. Um, the only con there is maybe, you know, they don't excel at the major league level and their trade value goes down if that's the path the Mets want to take. But to me, I don't think it's hurting them much because, you know, number one, you kind of give guys some leeway once they come up to struggle a little bit. Number two, I think you're kind of, I said this before, you're kind of tipping your hand if you don't call him up. Other teams look at it like, well, what's wrong with this guy that they're not calling him up? Like, what's the deal with Vientos? Do they not see him as having a full-time position? Or Mauricio, do they not see him as a future shortstop? And those are valid concerns. So, you know, if you leave him in the minors, there's it could hurt their value too. So to me, I think it's more worth calling him up now and seeing what they've got offensively. And, uh, you know, hopefully at some point, one of these guys can take the reins, whether it's Beatty or even a guy like McNeil maybe can step up and do what he did last year and hit for enough power. You justify batting him third, and hopefully that makes things click a little bit more. But, yeah, just bring it back to a Lindor again. I just don't see a way where they can really uh, excel with him being the long-term three-hitter. Carlos Carrasco made a rehab start. He's set to pitch Friday against his former team, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, he yep. get, had a four scoreless innings in his rehab start in double-A Binghamton. He's going to bring his ERA of eight back to the majors as David Peterson took his ERA of eight and went back <laughs> to triple-A. David Peterson experiment. Almost over, you think? Almost. Uh, I think you let him try to figure it out in triple-A see what he's got and if he could turn it around his confidence was clearly shot I mean at least with a guy like Carrasco and Scherzer there are some physical things going on where you know obviously you're discouraged and you kind of feel like maybe they won't turn it around but there's some excuse there with uh with Peterson supposedly he's completely healthy he's just and he's been like this throughout his career uh last year the slider was elite he looked great this year it hasn't been he's had trouble spotting his pitches. Uh, he's been a nightmare and just looks completely lost. I think this is maybe his last shot. I think we'll go to AAA, and if he can't, he'll get called up again for sure at some point. We're going to need the depth. But, I mean, if he can't figure it out when he's either back in AAA or back up here at the major league level, then I think um, I think his his time with the Mets is just about done. The top of our rotation, you know, Verlander and Scherzer, even Senga, those three guys are going to be here. Those are the three guys that you need them. You just, you need quality outings from them. You need six innings, two or three runs. Forget about, I, I don't even really expect a dominant start out of Max Scherzer anymore. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Verlander, I have a little more confidence in because I feel like Verlander kind of reinvented himself a little where Max hasn't yet. Uh, yeah, you know, I could be totally wrong about that. It was nice seeing Max hit 96 again on the radar yeah. gun in his last start against the Nationals. That that was the most concerning thing was just the lack of velocity coming from him. When it comes to our rotation, we know that in two or three years, what is this rotation going to look like? 
Well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think it's coming from within the Mets farm system. That That's okay. for damn sure. There's nobody you can say, like, oh, you're going to say Matt Allen's going to be our ace in three years? Like, we have no idea what this guy is. If He probably projects to be like a three starter at best. And obviously, you never know what could happen. But I don't think there's anybody you look to in the minors with a lot of confidence and say, like, oh, they're going to be a long-term rotation option for us. I Honestly, in two to three years, I think we'll be looking at a lot of new players in this roster who we can't even name right now because they're probably with different organizations. I was looking at the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, two pitchers like that, younger, front end of the rotation starters, or at least they project to be that. Yeah. That's they need to look at, you know, pitchers like that. However, if all four of our top prospects are in our starting lineup and are part of our starting lineup, we kind of could kiss the trading goodbye because they were the bulk of our farm system. Yeah, it, and it's going to be difficult to deal them if the offense gets rolling too. Um, but sometimes you got to make those tough decisions. Uh, interesting you bring up the White Sox. I don't know if they'd want to trade a guy like Dylan Cease this earlier, if they want to try to rebuild around him. I mean... Giolito, I think, is more likely to be traded. He's been there a few years. He's uh, had his struggles last year, and a lot of people were down on him. Uh, it seems like he's bounced back pretty well this year and has pitched uh, pretty well. Um, I, I, I'm shocked they haven't pulled off more guys yet, to be honest. I think this year at some point, Anderson's going to be a goner, and they're going to make some big yep. trades. But um, I was also thinking, like, Eduardo uh, Rodriguez with the White Sox, uh, having a fantastic year. I could definitely see him being dealt at some point. Tigers. I thinking, you know, obviously we saw – or the Tigers, excuse me. We saw what he was when he crushed us this year. He could be somebody we'd go after. Um, you, I don't know what else is out there this year. I mean, obviously we have a lot of starters uh, as options. It's just a matter of them coming back and pitching effectively. Um, Carrasco, you hope, is healthy and can come back and do that. I like what he did in his rehab start the other day. You kind of hope, you know, he can come back and be what he was last year where, you know, he's up and down, but at the end of the year, he's got like that sub four year A or year A around four. Going out there and let's say if your pitcher gives up three in the first inning, and if you do that on a nightly basis, there's no way that doesn't creep into the team's psyche and messes with them a little bit. Oh, yeah. And when the offense is already struggling, those three runs look like seven runs. That's that's part of the problem. So it, it's kind of like a, a cycle where if the, the pitching's not going, eventually it's going to almost feed into the offense. Um, so obviously you love what you saw last night that they rallied back. Uh, they fell behind again early today, but credit to Tyler McGill for really um, getting it together and pitching a solid six innings. That, Really excellent to see after the start that Senga had last night and the win that he was able to uh, tough it out and put together those six solid. Uh, you like what you see out of him, at least as a five starter. And uh, you like what you're seeing from the offense and hopefully they can keep it going. And, you know, uh, Vientos is here. You should be DHing every day. Sorry, Buck. Um, and, you know, if needed, you hope uh, Mauricio is not far behind. I would love to see him starting at second base. And uh, maybe see McNeil full-time in left field. Just looking at the schedule now, our next three series we got against the Guardians, the Chicago Cubs in Chicago, and against the Rockies in Colorado. Looks decent on paper. The Guardians could be a bit of a challenge. They're kind of in the same boat as the Mets right now, a playoff team from last year. They're dead last 
offensively in terms of OPS, if I'm not mistaken, or close to it. They're last in home runs. They're not getting a lot of pop right now. So hopefully, you know, the Mets could take advantage of that. And with teams like the Cubs and Rockies, you just got to go out there and beat them and don't overthink yep. it. Yeah, the uh, Guardians could be a tricky team. Um, they've got some good young pitching. I think that can give the Mets some problems. Um, and, you know, they, they've got some hitters even without a lot of that power. So, you know, th- they're coming to City Field. You hope you can take two out of three like we just did from the Rays. And same thing with the Cubs and Rockies. Like, on the road, those can be tricky teams. I think the Cubs are outperforming what a lot of people expected from them this year. They, I know he's hurt right now, but Nico Horner has been huge. Um Cody Bellinger in your renaissance year, Patrick Wisdom's hit for a lot of power and the pitching has been pretty solid. So, you know, the Cubs are no, are no cakewalk in Chicago and the Rockies, you never know what you're going to get out of them in Colorado. They get hit nine home runs against you. So, and you know, your pitching could be garbage out there. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go in and expect on this road trip that we're going to beat the Cubs two out of three or the Rockies two out of three. I think you try to go 500 over those six games and you try to maybe take two out of three from the guardians at home. Yeah. I, I think Mets fans and the Mets team, I don't think now's a time for too much hubris. We have to stay humble. We've seen the ups and downs of this team specifically. So we just got to take it one game at a time and it all starts the rotation stacking outings together. They do that. Then the bullpen can kind of take a step back. You know, maybe if you get a good outing from your pitcher, the offense isn't under as much pressure and it just on and on it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Senga and uh, McGill the last two days have really set the table. So you got Carrasco coming back. You hope, I don't know how long they're going to let him go, maybe four or five innings. If he gives you four or five solid innings, I think that's, that's ultimately a win to take from this rotation. Um, same thing with Scherzer Saturday. If he goes out and gives you some five strong innings, six strong innings, you feel good about that. And hopefully they keep the momentum going. And at least there's some solid takeaways from these next few series where it's like, all right, the starting pitching is starting to trend up. The offense is getting better with this injection of youth. And then hopefully that builds some momentum, uh, moving forward. Hey, listen, it's not even June yet. The Philadelphia Phillies didn't start winning to June last year either. How about the Atlanta Braves? They didn't really start winning in June either. Not saying we're going to go on the same run, but what I am saying is there's over 120 games left, a lot of ball left to be played, and um, I'm going to have some more faith in this team after these last couple of days. That's for damn sure. Before we go, I want to ask you a question because somebody asked me this question and they stumped the hell out of me. Who is the best baseball player right now on the New York Mets? Good question. Are we just talking this year? Sure. And is there like a metric or are we just talking overall? That's why I was so stumped with the question. Uh, I guess when you think about who's done their job the best, because again, not talking OPS, we're just talking who's been the best at what they do. Brandon Nimmo has been the most consistent hitter. That was my base like a fiend and played excellent defense in center field. Um, He's done his job better than anybody else. As good as Pete's been, you know, he's, he struggled a bit offensively at times. I think Nimmo has been pretty consistent all year. And even when he hasn't been hitting, you know, those, those few small stretches defense has been excellent. So I'd say Brandon Nimmo by far. I totally agree. That's what I said. Brandon Nimmo. This has been another episode of 40 minutes to flushing. Hopefully we could keep this up, keep the winning vibes going. Sean, you got anything else to say before we head out? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's fucking go Mets. Let's fucking go Mets. <laughs>